the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This on-demand presentation from Talk910.com. This is Rob Black. Hear the Rob Black Show every weekday from 10 to noon Pacific Time on 910 AM, more stimulating talk, San Francisco. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. Caller earlier called in and said that he bought a house for a couple hundred thousand, and now it's worth 700,000. It's good. It's not worth anything until you sell it. It's got a perceived value of 700000 but it's not quite there yet. Now, one of the largest of San Francisco's painted ladies is up for sale. Do you know the painted ladies? There's seven very old homes, um, basically called Postcard Row, worldwide well-known. It's gone on the real estate market for the first time in 35 years. One of the painted ladies is up for sale. It's the oldest, it's the largest, and it's got the most detailed of the seven sisters. Now, it's an ornate Queen and Victorian. It's got some Italianate touches to it. It's across from Alamo Square on the corner of Steiner and Grove. Steiner and Grove. If you've never seen the Painted Ladies, go see the Painted Ladies. Um, people take pictures in front of it. It's kind of weird. Can you imagine living in a home where people take pictures in front of it? Kind of weird, right? Asking price is $3,999,999. So it's a dollar under $4 million. It's 4,600 square feet. And it's it's sweet. Now, the last time one of these was sold was author Alice Walker um, about 15 years ago. Basically, $600,000. And then five years after that, so again, 15 years ago, it sold for $600,000. Five years later, it was worth $1.2 million. So these homes have really crazy appreciated fast. Now, there's only seven of them in the world. They're in a unique neighborhood, and they're, they're kind of sexy. So, talking a little bit more about it, these homes were built in 1896, and back then, it would have cost you about $8,000. Now, $8,000 sounds like a lot of money for 1896. I bet it was. Um, I mean, it's all relative. It'd be interesting to see, and I I don't have this in front of me, but I could do this, you know, over the weekend, what $8,000 invested in 1896 would be worth today. I bet it would be worth a lot more than $4 million. A lot of people would be like, "Uh uh-uh, I bet it would be. Um... So anyway, uh, what else is there to say about this? This house that he bought, the, the, the oldest lady, uh, he bought it in 1975 for $65,000. So the house went from 8000 in 1896. It didn't really appreciate all that much. It only hit 65000 What's that? 70, 81 years later. So included in the deal is a parlor full of, you know, some spillovers um, that's been there for years and years and years. So again, $8,000. Slowly appreciates to 65000 by 1975. In the last 25 years, or 34 years, it's gone from 65000 to $4 million. Pretty sweet. If I were the owner of that, I'd book a profit. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm booking that profit. So I don't think any house, I'm not going to say any house, I don't think any 4,600 square foot house is worth $4 million. Just me. Just me. And again, I enjoy my home. I love my home. I like planting grass in my home. I love killing vines that are growing in my trees at home. 
I love getting up on the roof and cleaning out the gutters at my home. My home is my home, but I ain't paying $4 million. I ain't that much of a crank, crazy nut. Now, speaking of crank, crazy nuts, have you watched a little bit of... I, yesterday, I, I had a little extra time on my hands, as I do on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I don't do TV on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I just I do a little bit of downtime with Rob Black. And uh, I, was, I was watching the Olympics, and I jumped online to see what the NBC Olympics feels like, NBCOlympics.com, and it wasn't that good. It's surprisingly empty. NBC Universal's coverage of the Winter Olympics, it's, it's more exhaustive than it was in Torino four years ago, but it's a hell of a lot less live streaming than they did in Beijing. Now, Winter Olympics has a lot less sports than Summer Olympics, but they're going backwards. Their only live options are hockey and curling, which for the record, Homer Simpson said it best. Curling's a great sport because it gives men what they do well, bowling, and it gives women what they do well, sweeping. <laughs> don't you love that, Homer? Anyway, um, yeah, I don't really get curling. I watched tw- maybe 20 minutes of curling yesterday, and I, I felt like 20 minutes of my life was taken from me and stolen will never come back to me. So NBC's cutting their exposure. I don't know. I think that's kind of an interesting study, right? March Madness, you can watch any game in the tournament of 64 NCAAs. You can watch any game. It's nutty. One of the schools I went to, George Mason, I was able to watch, you know, their games online. That's exciting for me because, you know, CBS ain't going to cover, you know, George Mason out on the West Coast. No way. So the whole CBS, ABC, NBC, what they will show and what they won't show on the Internet is it's starting to evolve a little bit. Um, the business, they still make more of their money from advertising on television than they do from advertising online. So they're telling us we're cutting back a little bit because it's expensive. For Beijing, they provided 2,200 hours of live streaming, 61% of its 3,600 total hours. Um, in Vancouver, it's only 400 hours of live streaming, or 48%. So mathematics, they're saying, you know, we got to cut back. This mathematically ain't adding up for where we want it to. It's interesting. Uh, again, more and more content moves to the web. There's stories out there today exactly about that, that exact idea. Um, for instance, there's a Belmont company. It's called Sesme. Sesme? Sesme. Now, I know you're saying Sesme. S-E-Z-M-I. It's hitting stores now. It's a $299 box. It goes on your TV. Now, the Sesame locks popular channels, but it picks up all the broadcast, cable, and internet video. That's kind of cool. Remember how the wireless auction went up recently and Google tried to get it? This is one of those companies that is getting content through the old television signals that have gone to digital. So it's selling this package in Best Buy and Sesame. It's a play on Open Sesame. Open Sesame. It's dumb, right? But why isn't this Belmont company calling us, saying, Rob Black, we'll give you one or we'll give Heidi one because Heidi's an internet TV person and she doesn't have to plug it into anything. It's pulling the, the audio out of the air. Now, it helps if you plug it in with an ethernet cable. It helps because there's more content available there. And for instance, if you pay an extra 19 bucks a month, you get CNN, you get Bravo, you get Comedy Central, you get MTV, you get Sci-Fi, TBS, Nickelodeon. Now, the reason I throw that out there those are the stations that I watch. I like Bravo. I like CNN. I like Comedy Central. I like Sci-Fi. I like TV. I, I've got 500 stations right now on my digital cable. It takes me four hours to turn to go from one to 500. I don't have time for that. And here's a company that's kind of getting it right. 
20 bucks a month for 20 stations. If it's the 20 stations you want, that's not bad. For 4.99 a month, you get access to 80, 80 broadcast stations, which is pretty cool. I don't know. I, I just throw that out there. I just throw that, and you can rent movies, major movies. Uh, you can rent movies uh, with either plan. So it, it's Comcast. Be watch out. Beware, Comcast. Competitors are nipping at your heels. And if this Belmont company were smart, they'd call me and say, "Hey, you want to try it?" Because that's free exposure. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in there. It's eight hundred three four five fifty six thirty nine. It's the Rob Black Show. Nine ten a.m. More stimulating talk. I sent Heidi 10 new songs that she could start pulling from because I do believe in good bumper music and I do believe it gets tired. So, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Something made me say Sweet Jesus today. I know you're saying... Don't go there, Black. Some people believe in Jesus. That's a 30 million years in between the dinosaurs and the humans that I wonder what he was doing. But average for 30-year mortgage falls to 4.93%. Sweet Jesus. 30-year mortgage, 4.9%. Now, I did a story earlier today that the Fed started to raise the discount rate. Now, that's not, that's not mortgage rates yet. But when they start pushing up the cost of money, what you're going to see is the cost of mortgages are going to go up. And that's going to hurt real estate because, again, you don't realize you, you can't afford a million-dollar home. You could afford a payment that pays for a million-dollar home. And that payment, one of the biggest functions in it is the mortgage rate. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Get your calls now. Let's go to Randy in Oakland. Hey, Randy. If you want medical insurance costs to go down, you should be calling for the government to get out of insurance and not to step in and try to fix it. Mm, yes and no. How no? Um, let's, talk, let's talk about pre-existing conditions. You seem sympathetic to the idea that insurance companies should be mandated to take people with pre-existing conditions. That's tantamount to homeowners insurers having to take houses that are on fire. Okay. You understand that insurance... Is if, if you take people who have pre-existing conditions, then it's not about it's not risk anymore. Well, yeah, now, yeah. Now, it's a, now it's a benefit. Now it's a welfare program. Insurance is about can, the pooling of risk. Wait, wait, wait. Can we agree, Randy, that not all pre-existing conditions are the same? Well, I guess so. What's your point? Well, for instance, I got a friend who had a kid who was born where his urethra, the little hole in his penis, um, is a it's a millimeter or two not where it's supposed to be. So that is a pre-existing condition where he can't get health insurance because it's considered a birth defect. What else might be inside of his body? Well, maybe nothing. So it's, it's, it's too early to tell. I've got another friend, um, and I don't want to mention her name, but she's a broadcaster at Cron. Her first son was born with a small hole in his heart, and they fixed it. And his heart's just as healthy as yours. He'll never get health insurance because he had this one issue. To me, that seems a little bit aggressive. Well, see... So- I guess your premise is that health insurance is a right. I, I don't think it is a right. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I don't think it's necessarily a right. Well, you just said that uh, we need to place some sort of uh, impose uh, legislation on insurance companies to take 
whatever these pre-existing conditions are, whether it's the urethra problem or the, it ought to be up to the insurer to decide who they're going to insure. I most I, I mostly agree, but the system's not perfect. Do you believe the system's perfect? Well, the notion that we can achieve perfection is flawed to begin with. Okay, then what I'm saying is then maybe we can find some areas that we can improve. If we can both agree that there's no such thing as perfection, then there's some fringe elements that well, might be open to, to improvement. I just think you need to understand that to the extent that... Keep in mind, I don't need to understand anything. I got a degree in economics, and I could school your ass if I want to. Oh, you think so, huh? Yeah, I do. I, 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 I listen to you. I, I turn you on about once a day for about five minutes. That's Sweet. about all I can take. I can't believe you keep a job. But that's neither here nor there. Why do you listen, Randy? I just, it's, it's interesting to listen to someone like you. you. You don't have the skills for this job, in my opinion, at all. You know what the truth is, what, Randy, what, is, you know what? What the truth you know is, Randy, is you need me. I'm a, I'm a callous guy, and what you said to that guy whose wife had Crohn's disease, yeah. that went so far over the top, I couldn't, I, I'm a callous guy, and I was like, I can't believe this. And yet he, la- and yet he laughed at sure. it. And yet no, he I laughed at it. Oh, oh, I didn't laugh at all. He that did. Crude, that was crass. No, I didn't laugh for a second. I didn't say you, I said he did. Oh, well, whatever. He was probably just tr- trying to smooth it over. Um, or, or, maybe he, or maybe he laughed at it. And maybe Randy doesn't have all the opinions that are godlike. Back, back to the... Let's talk, maybe you're not always right. On, you want to stay on medical insurance? You're the one that told me you could school my ass. I can. Well, I think I can school you. And there's, I just, there's no right answers. In a system that's not perfect, you could, you could address there, there's an open possibility for change. Let's talk about what government has done so far to fix uh, medical insurance, health insurance costs. They've intervened. They've imposed. Uh, uh, they've, they've made insurance companies take uh, frivolous conditions, mental, mental illness, uh, addiction coverage for rehab. This imposes this imposes huge costs on people who, who want no part of those type of coverages. Who 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 want catastrophic coverage because that's what insurance is supposed to be for. Worst case scenario, typically, yeah. Well, so look what government has already done. Do you see my point? If government had never gotten into health insurance in the first place, costs would probably be a lot lower. They would definitely be a lot lower. Someone who engages in, in, in no risk uh, could get in a, in a low-risk pool and afford health insurance. But now i got to pay for people who, who, uh, who drink too much and want to go to rehab or take drugs uh, or who uh, uh, need uh, some sort of uh, mental, uh, mental uh, health illness program. Keep, and this is imposed yeah. by government. This is what government does is when they when they try to create utopia for us. They well, keep in mind, and again, I'm no fan of government. I'm probably more of a libertarian or a gridlock guy, except for gridlock doesn't work when you've got massive deficits that eventually need to be addressed because gridlock stops people. And the state of California is a great example of this, that we've got problems that need to be addressed, and our gridlock is problematic, to say the least. So I'm, I'm with you on a lot of that. But also, for instance, I think our government did a pretty good thing. They got Merck, Pfizer, and Eli Lilly to agree to cut $60 billion in costs that they pass on to Americans. They don't pass on to Canadians. They don't pass on to Africans. They don't pass on to Europeans. There's $60 billion taken out of the system. And again, Merck, Pfizer, Eli Lilly, I wish it wasn't taken out of the system because that $60 billion can go into research and development, which might cure something that's going to kill me one day or kill my child one day. So I see both sides of it. I'm fine with that. But I do think that they did squeeze out $60 $60 billion from the big drug companies, and I don't think that's a problem. I think that's a good thing. I don't know the details of, of that deal that they cut with, with, 
with Merck and Pfizer. That's, uh, but but my, my you can agree with me. Today. You can agree with me. They just cut cost. Our government put a little pressure on them, and, and they caved. Instead of charging you, Randy, a premium for a drug, they agreed to cut it, cut the cost. Well, they're going to make the cost up somewhere else. It's probably that that they wanted uh, some sort of government mandate somewhere else that, that, that would feather their nest. But like I said, I don't know the details to, the, to that agreement. But the, the, my larger point stands. Uh, if government would get out of health insurance, it, w- it could be a lot cheaper for everybody. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. I liked him when he was a little bit more venomous. I liked him when I got his blood pressure popping. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. Let's see if we got any other big stories that I have to get out there today. Um, this is This is a story from yesterday. But California and other states face a problem of growing pension liabilities. Now, our government, they've got public employee pensions. They've got teacher pensions that they're supposed to be funding. But they also have issues like Fremont. They, they want to build a bridge. And they want to fund that. So they have this, this tax revenue that comes in, and they're supposed to be funding the pensions first in line. But sometimes governments say, you know what? We need this money here, so let's, let's fund that bond. It's a little bit of juggling. But what's happening now is more and more states are falling behind. State governments can help ease a $1 trillion shortfall by reducing future benefits or requiring greater employee contributions or by raising retirement ages. So a lot of what's promised ain't going to be there. California's two big systems. They accounted for about $122 billion of the deficit. Uh, teacher pensions and public employee pensions, uh, about $122 billion underfunded. And again, if you work at the DMV for 30 years, you get retirement for the next 30, 40 years. And is that right? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. It's the system that's in place, so that's what you play with. But I do know that the government's going to raise your retirement age at some point or ask you to throw in more money or give you less benefits because the system's broken. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Got an email from Tanya where she goes, can't call in because I'm at work, but I'm listening. I'm somewhat convinced that the 39% increase in insurance premiums is due to all this congressional health care talk. And the companies are doing what they can now to make in uh, for what they might be forced to do in the future. So any thoughts? And, and my thoughts are, Tanya, really what's happening with healthcare companies, it's, it's profit driven. They're publicly traded companies, and they have a bottom line that they need to meet. And sometimes you can fire so many people. You can. You can. Um, Sometimes you can manage earnings that way. Sometimes you can tell the HMOs and the hospitals, like, we're not going to reimburse you for that full treatment. So you're going to try to charge $200, and we're going to reimburse you $100. And we're going to make the the copay 20 bucks. So that hospital has to say, okay, I'm going to eat 80 bucks, or they're going to cut me. So there's some negotiations that go on. Sometimes the power goes between the insurance side of the fence. Sometimes it goes back towards the the healthcare side of the fence or the medical profession side of the fence. And it's never going to be the individual that they they dominate. We're going to be paying higher copays. There's no doubt about it. So if we want something that's affordable, we're paying higher copays or we're going to have higher total deductions. So the healthcare system is it's expensive, but we also have the best healthcare system in the world. 
So there's some trade-offs that you have to make, and there's people that fall through cracks, and there's you know capitalism issues. I'm a true capitalist. I totally believe in capitalism. I do think that there's some areas that need to be improved. What's happening to the insurance companies, in my opinion, and again, my opinion is just like a you know, but everyone has one. Um, it's the unemployment numbers. It's the number of people who've fallen out of underemployment or unemployed. Un- underemployment in the state of California is roughly around 20% is the assumption. Now, government statistics are easy to manipulate, and they're tough to actually get a good hand on. So maybe the number's higher. But I've got friends who were dot-comers who had health care, who, who they lost their dot-com job. And now they're contractors, and they have to provide their own health care, and they can't afford that. Or they don't think they could afford that, or they don't make that a priority for what they could afford. I think the unemployment issues and the underemployment issues and the move to more independent contractors in the state of California and across the nation is a big problem on the health care insurance. The numbers just aren't adding up. When you've got, you know, 10% unemployment or 20% underemployment where you don't get health care benefits, they can't have the healthy people take care of the sick. So that's the big issue in my book. And this would all be fixed with 6% unemployment, but we're not going to 6% unemployment anytime soon. Do we have a phone call? No phone call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. I played around too much during that segment, and uh, I lost my phone call. Another one that came in uh, today, I, I did two big questions. Homeowners getting bailed out. Good idea, bad idea. And I also did uh, uh, healthcare companies, insurance companies, raising their premiums to 39%. And again, nothing's going to get done. Nothing's going to get done in Congress anytime soon on healthcare reform. So I don't think that's why they're doing it. But anyway, uh, Tim emailed in. He says, why doesn't the government bail out the folks that lost big dough in the stock market? I don't think they should bail out anyone who makes a risky investment in homes or the stock market. I do suggest that banks offer temporary conversions to home buyers who are underwater. They can suspend the loan, cut the monthly payment in half, call it rent for a couple years or so. That way, the banks don't have to write down the loans and the homeowners can keep their properties. It's not that simple. It's not just a relationship between the bank and the homeowner. Someone else put up that do re me. Now, again, the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans, where the taxpayer, in theory, put up that do re me, they're a little bit easier to convert. They're a little bit easier to fix. But that's not a majority of the loans out there. Next one comes to us um, from the live blog. And this person says, I read investment books. I like to buy low PE, low or no debt companies, high margins. They must make money, good money per item. Um, Dividends are nice. Get paid while you wait. I like some mid-cap and small-cap with a good story or competitive edge. They should make money, have a profit. I like cash flow with profits like dividend-paying stocks. I like Rob's portfolio balance with some large, mid, small REITs and bonds. Good. <laughs> that comes to us from Yo, and I kind of agree. I think that's, that's a good way of summing things up in a very generic, basic way. But keep in mind, there's people out there like Crazy Randy who got kicked off the Armstrong and Getty show. He's totally different investor than me. He's crazy. There's Heidi who, well, her husband makes all the financial decisions. I, that, I'm... I'm I'm making that up, but there's John Scott program director here. He's a high paid in, you know, individual in the station. Like we're all different. So one formula ain't going to work for all of us or hopefully it doesn't work for all of us. And got an email from Douglas, which this one is good. In my opinion, it just shows you there's a lot of mental illness out there. And this guy says, I'm just down the road from you in San Mateo and listen to your show. I'm one of those rare stock traders that doesn't buy too boring. I only short stocks uh, because fear is much stronger as far as motivator to get prices moving in a downward direction. Happy times forever. It takes to move a stock. So ultimately, let me, let me boil this down before I get to the weird part of his email. 
he doesn't buy stocks. He doesn't accumulate stocks. He tries to make money as a trader. He tries to make money shorting stocks. He's not looking to buy a company that's growing profits 8 to 10%. He's not looking to buy insurance companies who are you know, raising their premiums 40% so that they can maintain a bottom line that Wall Street is happy with. He wants to short stocks. He wants stocks to fail. So it's the opposite. You should buy low and sell high. He wants to buy high and sell low. You can do, you can play both sides of a trade. I probably, I don't talk about that very much on the show, but I should on occasion. I'm not Douglas. I don't short stocks in the United States. In the 1970s, we bought pet rocks and that scared the hell out of me because we'll buy anything. <laughs> We're a dumb nation. Chia pets. We'll buy uh, Furbies. We'll buy anything. We'll buy like, it doesn't even have to make any sense, and we'll buy it. So Amazon.com a couple of years ago was trading roughly around $40 a share. And it went to 150 And I know someone who shorted it at $50 a share. So he lost well over 100%. He got killed. He didn't see the Kindle coming out. He didn't see Amazon coming out with something innovative. He saw recession, weak consumer. Now here's the kicker. is During a recession, I used Amazon more. Potential way to avoid state income taxes. Potential way to shop for more competitive prices. Like, for instance, when you buy diapers, you don't have to go to Safeway. You can jump online and save 20 to 30%. And diapers, you can put in your garage for years and years and years. So, during a recession, we became a little bit more thriftier. I don't short stocks for that reason. So, back to Douglas's email. This is where it gets good. So, Rob, have you got any good resources I could use for finding bad news on companies that are about to go public? By the way, please stop being such a suck-up with Tiger Woods. I don't want to hear anything about that turd ever again. Every time you mention the name, you promote that scumbag, and that tells me you have an agenda. An agenda? An agenda? What agenda do I have? Do you know why I bring up Tiger Woods? Because there's basically a mandate in radio to talk about topical issues. Talk about what everyone else is talking about. You don't want to totally avoid it. You don't want to totally skirt it. But Douglas... If you think I have an agenda that's tied to Tiger Woods, I mean, you're deep into a conspiracy theory. He's my brother. Him and I both work for Nike. I'm making money under the table. What are you thinking? Are you high? So anyway, Douglas, thanks for the email and uh, resources for finding out bad news. I like the truth the most. And what I'm trying to say is, Douglas, don't look for resources that are sensationalized. Don't look for resources that are rumor. Because when that rumor doesn't work, you go down hard. There's a guy out there named David Tice. David Tice, he shorts the stock. He, he doesn't believe in America. He's kind of anti-American. He, he thinks the stock market goes a lot lower. Go, go follow him a little bit. He's got an opinion that's pretty well educated. If you follow him for the last 20 years or if you invested with him, you lost money hand over fist. There was a two-year period where you made money hand over fist. But in 20 years, you lost money hand over fist. I think it's a lot easier to accumulate assets than try to trade assets. I think it's a lot easier to go long a position than it is to go short. But I said I like the truth. And what I mean by that is there's a good website called the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, sec.gov, sec.gov. And when you go there, what you're going to quickly learn is that corporations have to file annual reports. That's called a K. Everyone who buys stocks should read an annual report. If you don't have time to read the annual report, you can't buy stocks. Then there's also something there called Qs, and those are quarterly reports. These are it's material information that the company legally has to share with you because it's publicly traded. 
So they legally have to, to every 90 days show you their finances. Every 90 days tell you if like maybe things are going bad in a court case against them. Every 90 days they have to disclose this information. And it's material information. There's there's one more filing. There's the K's, the Q's, and the S's. The S's are any material information between those 90 days. And you can set up a search engine like Google to flag S filings. And it'll email you every time an S filing comes through. Now, that is a hell of a lot of work. Or as I like to say, hella work. It's hella work. It's um, it's a lot of work. But you can do it. Or you can set up, um, if you know a programmer, you can have programmers scan SEC documents in real time. I know people who do that. So I prefer to work with the truth bad news or the truth good news instead of websites or resources that are more rumor-based. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's the Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. I'm not a cougar. I'm the monkey sitting in the tree throwing things up the cougar. audio taken from a call yesterday, which I thought was fantastic. Randy was a fantastic call. I'm here to uh, throw ideas at you. For instance, for instance, uh, big story now starting to break on healthcare again. And this time it's tied towards the cutting of what's being paid towards Medicare and Medicaid. So today, United Healthcare, Humana, HealthSpring, WellPoint, they're all falling as Medicare is going to cut payments to insurers as the Obama administration again called for more oversight of the industry. Now, that's news. And one area of the news that I, I, I will throw out there is there's investment angles as well. For instance, there's a good article today on Praxel. And what this company does is they do corporate research for drug companies, for biotech companies, for medical device companies. And they're in the business of statistical analysis, patient recruitment, studies, industry training. That's all they do. And basically, if you and I come up with a great idea for how to cure the hangover or how to grow hair on the top of my head. Um, we don't know how to run tests, but we're these great scientists, and we've come up with this new drug, and they run tests. That's all they do, and, and they do a good job of it. And it's part of a healthcare play. It's part of a, a play on biotech. It's part of a play on molecular science. It's part of a play on capitalism. It's part of a play on new drugs and trying to keep our costs low. I'm a good scientist. I'm not a good tester. And one of the things that I could totally screw up is if I screw up my test and my statistics and I go to the FDA for approval on a drug, they'll go, go back, spend another year. You forgot to include African-Americans. Go back, spend another year. You forgot to, to show higher doses versus lower doses. So they are outsourcing for corporate America tied towards the healthcare industry. Ticker symbol is PRXL, PRXL. And it's a good trend. It's not a good short term idea. It's a good trend. Mark Dannon. Mark Dannon from Channel 4 Cron. How are you, Mark? Hey, how's it going, Rob? Good. Long time no talk. How are you doing? Good. You know, I listen to you every day, but I can never call you because I have an iPhone, which means I have AT&T, and I have like 10 drop-off points when I listen to you from uh, 11 to 12 driving home every day. You you basically run the news for Cron. You used to be weather, and now you're an anchor. I mean, you're a stud at Cron. You're, you're basically there from 4 to 10 in the morning. Yeah, I'm on from six to eleven. Is what I'm on the air every day. It's a long shift. It's a long shift. How, how, how's the news? How's the news world today? Any any updates uh, on Tiger? Kind of interesting. You know, we've been talking about uh, what's going on with Anthem over the last few days. I find that interesting. You know, one thing to point out. I believe WellPoint is their parent company, correct? WellPoint is the parent company, and WellPoint has decided to raise premiums thirty nine percent in the state of California. WellPoint made over two billion dollars in two thousand eight, and made over four billion dollars last year in profit. 
Now, do you, do you find that to be a negative or do you find that to be a positive? Well, I find that a company that can double, nearly double its profits in two years and then insist that they need to raise premiums 39% on individuals, that's kind of incredible. But Don't you? Well, I do. But at the same time, they're a publicly traded company. And if you, Mark Dannon, were at Cron and they say, let's change your salary from 100000 to 200000 and all you did was the same six-hour shift that you've been doing, wouldn't that, wouldn't, you would take that money, wouldn't you? Of course. If someone's dumb enough... Do you think most healthcare companies should be not for profit? That that's that's a bigger issue. Okay, so. different issue. And then I also think, don't you think insurance should be like auto insurance, where it shouldn't be tied to your company, where it should always be just for individuals? Mm. Or am I living in a dream world, Rob? Well, you're tied towards the company. Cron's got a hundred employees, and you know I've got a consulting business that's got five employees, and my healthcare insurance is a lot more expensive than Cron's because. Cron's got a lot healthier people to basically cover the sickly people. So the corporate side does help the mathematics of it. Um, but again, it, it is a hell of a question on should we move healthcare to a nationalized system like Canada or or not? And then there's the pros and the cons of that where we've heard, you know, Canadians come to America. But most Canadians don't tend to complain about it either. Yeah, but they have to wait eight months for uh, non-emergency procedures, is what you hear in mainly in Canada. Hey, another point, you had a question of, you know, you talk about, you know, should we bail people out of housing? Uh, during the Great Depression, the United States got into the mortgage business and started offering three-year fixed mortgages for people, and it kind of stabilized the housing market, and the government wound up making money through the late 30s and early 40s. And I always wondered why the U.S. government didn't get in the same type of programs uh, with this Great Recession. Well, they, they kind of have with the Fannie Mae's and the Freddie Macs and the printing of the money. Um, it's an interesting question. I, I, we're at 66% home ownership in the United States, and there's a point, Mark, where it's too much, where we don't need more homeowners, and it, it'll eventually create a bigger problem of more sellers than buyers down the road. It, there's You want some renters. It's, it, there's, in economics, there's no right answers. There's no nirvana. There's no, no perfect you know, Rob, I'm going to have to pull over more on the side of the freeway and call you more. I love your answers. Thank you very much for your time, Rob. I dig you, Mark Dannon. So, I dig you too, Rob Black. I think you're one of the best things that ever happened to Cron. And, uh, and you're one of the best things that's happened to radio and to Cron as well. I listen to you every day, Rob. I'm a big fan. Yeah, bromance. So we need to get a hotel room. Thanks, Mark. All right. Well, it is the weekend. Have a good weekend, Rob. You do the same. And uh, a little bit more talk on WellPoint because, you know, he, he brought it up. Should they be? Should they have the right to make $2 billion? Should they have that right? Health benefits provider WellPoint, it's the king of the blues. BB King, without the guitar, WellPoint, the firm provides health care coverage. Basically, Blue Cross Blue Shield, 35 million members, largest health insurer in the United States. Um, they've licensed to do business in 14-plus states. They do PPOs, they do HMOs, they do hybrid plans. Remember, Bush wanted to start with the financial savings accounts where we get corporate America out of the healthcare business and we put it in your hands where you will make the decision. It could grow tax free and it could be used tax free. Um, it's a good question. And how much, you know, people don't like that answer. Have the individual save their own money, have the individual cover their own insurance, have the individual make a deal with a doctor. Hey, I'll give you financial advice if you give me healthcare advice kind of angles. Revenues at Help WellPoint have gone from 56 billion in 06 to 61 billion. There's a little bit of a sideways action between 07 and 08. Income has gone from 3 billion in 06 to 3.3 billion in 07 to 2.4 billion. So, Mark was a little bit off on some of the data as far as profitability goes. More importantly, their profit margin has been set at 4.1%. 
Two years ago, it was at 5.4%. So they're less profitable now. Their operating margins have gone from 9.3% to 5.9%. So they're less profitable on the people that are paying the revenue. They've been able to make more money by firing more people, by managing their internal expenses. Their margins are actually lower. And again, there's no right answer. There's no right answer. Vincent and Sonoma. Vincent? Oh, Robert, happy Friday to you. Um, hey, I just wanted to mention that before I get to my point, that caller at the bottom of the hour where there was a lot of tension, that was that was a very entertaining radio. <laughs> that was, radio. Uh, that, was, that was a good call. Maybe I planted him. Maybe he's not well, a real I, caller. The thought crossed my mind, actually. <laughs> it did cross my mind. But um, good nonetheless. So the reason I'm calling, as you mentioned, you went gambling earlier, and I was curious what type of... Uh, gaming do you like when you go to nevada um single hand blackjack uh single single deck if you have to play two decks that's fine it's a lot of shuffling when you play single deck and it slows things down and i think most investors tend to make mistakes when things are going a little bit too fast when they gamble Mm. Um, so i like single deck blackjack you could almost count cards on a level Um, it's a lot easier to see okay i've seen four queens there's probably no more in the deck because it's a single deck um, so if you pay attention, you stay sober. I think the best odds in, in Vegas are single hand blackjack or or single deck uh, or double deck. At most I will not play a I will not play a six deck flume. It's better odds than uh, the craps table. You think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, if you play the odds and if you're well funded, yeah. um, you know you don't hit on fourteen. You don't. You know the dealer's showing a four. You don't hit. You play the yeah. odds. Um, if you play the odds and you're well funded and you can go through some streaks. I usually win in blackjack. I would say I, I come out 60-70% on the top. Well, so, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But again, I'm well-funded, so I'm not recommending... Like, for instance, I leave a table, Vincent, if you show up with $25 and you're like, give me $25 of chips, I'm out. I don't play with amateurs. I hate amateurs. Yeah. Hey, will you... Um, maybe you could uh, add to your blog somewhere some tips on uh, playing, winning in tw- uh, blackjack. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's another tip that I do. When I'm in Vegas or, or black, I'm at a blackjack table, I lie through my teeth. I basically want to slow the dealer down, um, so I talk. And, you know, I want, the oh. table to, I want the table to look at their numbers and figure it out. So I'll sit, there, I'll sit there and I'll go, yeah, last time I was here, I was made out with an 85-year-old woman. And the dealer's like, you made out with an 85-year-old woman? I'm like, yeah, and we're, we're all over each other. And it, I just try to slow down the table. Great idea. I'll have to try that one. I, I like that idea. Keep in I, mind. I need the extra time to think about it, too. Yeah, ex- absolutely. Slow down the table if you can. And thanks for the call, Vincent. Great show, Rob. You're incredibly kind, and I'm incredibly lucky. Um, this saves me a lot of money in therapy bills. 800-345-5639. Let's tie together one more, one more theme from the week. Remember earlier in the week, Barack Obama started talking about nuclear energy in, in Georgia. <laughs> There's a joke there, right? Aren't they already inbred enough? Aren't they already genetically mutated enough? I'm not going to go there. Just strike that. Let's let's dump that from the air. I didn't actually say that. Easiest job in the planet, being a dentist in the South. He only got a clean one tooth. But Kamiko was Monday, President Barack Obama. No, it was Tuesday. Tuesday, President Barack Obama talked about nuclear power in Georgia. Now, by Friday, Barron's financial newspaper, they're writing an article about it. And Barron says Kamiko is a glow with good prospects. Get it? A glow? Radiating energy. Company is the world's largest miner of uranium and commands the lion's share of the sales. Punished by investors for missteps in the last few years, they had a couple um, floods inside their mines. And if you flood 
you know, an irradiated rock, you have to kind of like clean it up before you get in there again. The gains for uranium used in production of nuclear power come at a time when the U.S. government started to embrace nuclear energy as a cheaper and cleaner alternative for fossil fuels like oil and coal. Now, again, President Barack Obama is a Democrat. I think we all know that. And we probably all know that he's an African-American, right? We, we see, right? We, there's some things that we know. He's a Democrat, right? Democrats tend not to like nuclear energy. And yet he's kind of given the Republicans a bone. Throw me a freaking bone. And he threw them a bone. He's like, there you go. There's some nuclear energy plays. Kamiko shares have generally outperformed the market. But the stock has slumped about 12% in the year 2010 until now. So now it's interesting. I think it's the world's most liquid, relatively pure play on uranium. Um, now, you can go out and buy companies like Exelon, which are utility companies that have nuclear in their power plants, in their product portfolio. Or you can go out and buy the, the, the product. I'm not telling you to do one or the other. I'm just saying there it is. One last thing that I want to hit. Electronic Arts, video game company. They are being shopped now for a potential takeover. They make video games for Sony PlayStation, Microsoft Xbox, Nintendo, PCs, other devices. It, in 2005, it hit a high of $71 a share. Now it's at a low of $16 a share. So Wall Street is saying, we want this company sold. So some savvy investors are starting to like, hey, let's jump in on this one because the company is either inexpensive or they're going to put themselves up for sale to take care of the shareholders. I throw it out there. It may or may not happen. It's Rob Black Show. Thanks so much, Mark Dannon, for calling in. It's the Rob Black Show, 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.